Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing? We're doing great, Scott. It is great to be here, isn't it? It is. It's wonderful. What a gorgeous day outside. We've got dynamic story here today. I think folks are going to yeah. get a lot out of. And you're back from all your world travels. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> so no stories there, clearly. And no. we may just get an update on the infamous now Hilton Head Index. Did you want to wait and share that when our guests arrive or? I'm happy to do it now. I, and But it's interesting that it won't really be news to our guests because they're probably providing or constantly monitoring this data. But yes, so that everyone knows the Hilton Head Index, the index that assesses the backup at the port of Savannah, uh, the official global index that assesses the backup at the port of Savannah. <laughs> For today, the index is four. There are ships steaming in and out of the port of Savannah. A little shout out to the Colorado Express steaming at 9.1 knots at 116 degrees on their way out of the port. And then four ships waiting for their turn to get in there and get offloaded, maybe even by our guests' people. Maybe so. Uh, Greg, we're going to have to get send you a videographer down there. We're going to set up like a static shot of these vessels coming and going. I love the data you bring to the show. But speaking of stories and data and information that's actionable that you're going to, you got to listen to today, we're going to be hearing from two companies, Greg referenced them. They're both on the move. Both are very successfully navigating the current obstacle course that is global supply chain. Greg, yeah. remember the good old show, uh, Double Dare, right? No. Double Dare on Nickelodeon. <laughs> Okay. Well, you're ruining my setup, man. Uh, yes. Everything... Yes, Scott. I do remember that. Everything is a physical challenge, it seems like, these days in global supply chain. Certainly well, not. There's no course. question about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, today, Greg, uh, we're going to hear from two companies and two leaders that are making it happen and doing so uh, very, very well. So with that said, Greg, with that said, are you ready to welcome in our two guests here? I am. I want to know. Uh, yeah, I want to know what their take is. Let's what? just start with Savannah and then hear about the global state of supply chain. I love it. And you know, I love where we're going to start, right? We got a, we got a story to get to. We got some some new innovative best practices and of course a partnership we're going to talk about, but but first, gonna, but first we're going to start with a food. really cool That's right. Always yeah. food here at Supply Chain Now. So, with no further ado, I want to bring in our featured guest, uh, Michael yeah. Caney, Chief Growth Officer with Port City Logistics and Luis Pajares, Chief Customer Officer with Turvo. Hey, hey, Luis, Michael, how are we doing? Hey, guys, how are you? Good morning. Good. It is so good to see you. We had a blast on the pre-show. We were talking, and we're going to talk about food here in a second, but mainly our conversation centered on sneakers. Is that right, Michael and Luis, right? Yeah, uh, and, and a bit of your nostalgia, Scott, which you yes. just kept going with Double Dare. So I feel I feel like <laughs> right. the audience Thanks, is a service, missing out on J.G. Wentworth, <laughs> Stan Smith, <laughs> Ones. 
south Double of the border. Right. Love it. We, yeah. And we have to start with the chat line. Everybody's going to tell us what kind of sneakers Scott's wearing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, white man. New Balance. We've decided white New Balance. Definitely so. white New Balance. <laughs> Oh, you're so close, Michael. You're so close. So, folks, if you remembered Monday on the Buzz, we had a little little challenge, the StreamYard platform, and a little challenge with comments that should have been fixed. So, we want to hear from you. Weigh in throughout the whole session here today, and let's start. Let's take a Luis. I love your direction. Let's start with your favorite sneaks as a kid or now. You pick. Yeah, you know Stan Smiths. Those were the holy grail when I was a kid. If you had Stan Smiths. You were rocking it. And the funny thing about it is that I still have a pair of Stan Smiths and I love my Stan Smiths. Really? So that, that was the rock and shoe for me back then. Love playing tennis. If you had the, the stands, it was all in. <laughs> all right. That's true. And, the, and they are, are making a really strong comeback. And by the way, they are great looking shoes. I, I just happened to dig up a picture of them somewhere and I think really? they look they're Perfect. Yeah. I you know how everybody that. wears tennis shoes with suits now, right? They wear the leather <laughs> tennis shoes. Stan Smith's will go with anything. And, right. and you don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for them. So they're terrific. I recommend right. them. All right. So quick, and Michael, I'm going to get your take here in just a second on shoes, of course, since, since we've already opened that, uh, let the genie out of the bottle there. But folks, I'm getting a little word from our world-class production team that the platform still is having an issue with LinkedIn comments. So I see a couple coming in from YouTube. Our team's going to do what they always do. They're going to find a workaround. They'll be bringing those comments in manually. But uh, if you do want to comment and have it be shown, venture over to the YouTube version of the stream and we'll make that happen. All right. So, and thank you for the heads up, Amanda. Okay, Michael, before we talk cookies, because yep. it's a big international holiday <clears throat> here today, give us your favorite sneaker as a kid or now. So I think my current favorite, I'm, I've been on kind of a Vans kick. Okay. We were talking right. before the call, like in your kids, like I, we didn't, I didn't have like a plethora of shoes, right? You had your play shoes and your school shoes and you had to rotate them. So I have a habit of just buying any shoe I want now. Right. And I've got like four <laughs> pairs of Vans that are on pretty steady rotation. So, <laughs> man, we can ask and you shall receive. You left one out though. Church shoes with church socks, which are real slippery things. Yeah, there you is took that. Those, you that. took those church shoes off. You could do moonwalks down hardwood floors all day long. Yeah. At least we did in Luton household. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, Tom Zeiss is back with us, Luis. Tom was all the rage in the last live stream. He says hello from Denver. Looking forward to hearing Port city story we are too because michael and the partnership here has one incredible story okay but before we get there and welcome in tom and sam and others and and jeff Leroy also down there in savannah let's talk food because we can't have a live stream without talking food so today greg michael and luis is tim tam day in australia i didn't even know that was a thing tim tams so tim tams is a popular cream filled sandwich biscuit or cookie that's clearly the cookie of choice across Australia, really across that region. So we take that and of course it's Girl Scout cookie season. We just had to, in very disciplined manner, pass by uh, a stand uh, last weekend because we are addicted to Thin Mints around here and gosh, you open up the box, it's gone like that. So all that aside though, uh, I want to start with, let's start with you, Michael. What is your go-to cookie and where do you get it? Hmm. So my, my my first question: Do you keep your thin mints in the fridge? No, never have. What? Ooh. No, you I don't. Mm -mm. It's a must. Is that a thing? 
Yeah, Scott, you, yeah, you just <laughs> go now to your kitchen, put them in the fridge. We'll wait. It's fine. It's a preservation we'll technique, no. Scott. It's really necessary Man. to the lo longevity of the food. Well, they don't. That's, that's just my point. They don't last long. Uh, that's why I can't buy them because they don't fit in that New Year's diet of mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Try freezing them. It makes it harder to eat more. Okay. All right. So clearly we have lots of Thin Mint fans. Michael, what else beyond Thin Mints? I'd love a really good chocolate chip cookie. Then like I'm you... always kind of on the hunt for a really okay. good chocolate chip cookie. Not in that they are not bought in the cookie aisle. Like a good right. like bakery. Homemade. Best one I've ever had is from a place in Water Sound. And I don't remember the bakery, but down in okay. Water Sound, Florida, man, it was a great. It was really? A, I dream about that cookie. It was a good cookie. Man, you're making <laughs> me hungry. I tell you, me and Greg are big fans of chocolate chip cookies. All right, Luis, how about you? So I got to tell you, my wife, Michelle, makes the best chocolate chip cookie in the world. And even better than that, it might be 10 o'clock at night. And I'll say, honey, gosh, you know what? A chocolate chip cookie would like be wonderful. She'll go make them. And Michael, next time I see you, I'm going to bring I'm, you some I'm of already my, planning my wife's chocolate chip cookies, and then we're going to put that test. But I got to tell you, if I had a go-to dessert, can we can we audible oh, from a, yeah, sure. what it was? Yeah, so of course. Chocolate ice cream with a strawberry Pop-Tart. Oh. I would have one of those every night as a kid. And then I got married, and it got cut out. And I can tell you, that was my go-to dessert all the time. That's a, a new one for me, Greg. Pop tart, Luis. Hot, yeah. You put it in the Posted. toaster, yeah. Oh, with that chocolate okay. ice cream, but no frosting on the pop tart, just the non-frosted one. Oh, okay. That is still my go-to. Huh? How about Can that? Can you still buy a non-frosted pop tart? It's yeah, hard to find. Know. It's hard is to it? find. So when 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 well, I'm not allowed to to really eat them anymore. But <laughs> if I see a box, I'll take everything they got. I love it. I love it. Okay, Michael, we're going to try like that a with fair the kids. Trade to try and dig up some, <clears throat> some strawberry Pop-Tarts and chocolate ice cream for Luis if he's going to bring you the best chocolate chip cup uh, cookies in the yeah, world. Yeah, so when right? I come to Dallas, what you're saying is dessert and coffees at your house. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> dessert and coffees. I come and you say, where do you want to go to dinner? I'm going to say, well. <laughs> and, and Over uh, by the airport at my friend Luis's house. <laughs> finished, by that, finished by that nice cigar. Yes. All right. All right. Y'all are... Let's go, let's go make this happen this weekend. Really quick, Greg, because we're going to we get, I promise you folks, we're getting into a great story here today in just a minute. But Greg, you're the cleanup hitter talking cookies and dessert. What is it? It's definitely chocolate chip and uh, not to contradict Luis, but in classical Kansas City and Dallas fashion, we have conflicting views. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to say my wife's are the best chocolate chip cookies. And it's funny, Luis, because she'll do the same thing. In fact, she will volunteer without asking. And it, it became such a tradition in our family that if somebody in the family or close to the family got hurt, they got chocolate chip cookies. I swear my kids would hurt themselves on purpose to get these chocolate chip cookies. You guys will have to hang on. I'm texting my If wife. you will do yourself <laughs> bodily harm. Right all right, so we, we got a lot of fact-finding to do after all of these claims. We're going to have to uh, get into the true number one. We'll save That's that right. for another we need time. To, we need to have a get-together and have a consortium yes. where we, we do some serious judging here. Agreed. Due diligence, international consortium, judges, you name it. We got to do it right. Really Scott, quick. don't let yourself off the hook. Okay. Come on. <laughs> okay, all right. Come on. So on that note, freezing thin mints is a thing. We'll, we'll, we'll find out that uh, later this week. Uh, Warren, Warren Chile, Warren Chile 
is saying that Caney is a shoe king. So we're, we're learning more about uh, Michael Caney and his shoe collection. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Sam Foley's with us here today. Looking forward to hearing from Michael and Luis. I agree with you there, Sam. And Jeff, finally, Jeff Leroy. So Jeff is a supply chain pro and leader. He's based, he serves the Savannah chapter, I think, of ASEM. But I think he's based, Greg, in Hilton Head Island. He's inviting you to come on down and we'll watch the container ships roll on in. So I love that. T-Square, who holds down the Fort Force on YouTube, says the global supply chain can be best described as largely constipated and in need of various types of enemas. Goodness gracious. Hey, T-Squared, that is quite a visual there. Yeah, I did not need that that's visual. It's aggressive. <laughs> Technological <laughs> and otherwise. I'll tell you, hey, T-Squared, hope this finds you well wherever you are. Okay, so Greg, as we move into past shoes and cookies, where are we starting with Michael and Luis? I mean, we've already talked about two of the most important things in the world. Uh, that is food and the Port of Savannah. So right. <laughs> the uh, global Hilton Head Index. So, so I'd love to get maybe a little bit broader perspective. So what is it that you're seeing? We, you know, we hear a lot of, we get a lot of input on these shows from folks that yeah. see a lot of what's going on. But considering what Turvo, you guys do in terms of providing the technologies and, and Michael, what you all do in terms of solving the problems with those technologies, I'm interested to hear what you're seeing these days in global supply chain. So Michael, you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, it's, I, I don't want to over talk what's already been talked about on every show, which is there's the steamship lines are, you know, colluding and running prices up and all those things, right? So, you know, we mainly deal with the international freight once it gets here. And, and I would say the majority of what we're seeing with all the backlogs and all the delays and all the whatever is that, there's a real desire for all the walls to come down. You know, I've been doing this for a while and international was one department and domestic transportation was another department. And, and I, I think we're seeing, Hey, we all have to kind of talk. Hmm. Right? We gotta, we gotta stop having separate platforms. We, we can't have the international traffic manager and the domestic traffic manager on two different planets anymore. Hmm. And they have been, I mean, I've got fortune 100 shippers that like different spend, different strategy. I got to talk to two different people. And it's really, right. it's really, I think the trend is like, I want a single solution, right? I think companies yeah. are looking for, um, to manage their costs more holistically rather mm. than in these kind of silos. And e and more easier or easier, uh, right? Yeah. More easily, right? <clears throat> Excellent point, uh, Michael. Luis, what are some, some things you're saying? Well, no, I think um, the supply chain being siloed has been, a condition that has been around for a long time. And I think from a technology standpoint, technology has been built around those existing silo services. So you've got a, an industry that's siloed by nature, whether it's ocean or full truckload or drayage or whatever. And then the tech players have optimized technology around each of those silos. So you've got a siloed market, siloed technology, and you know, you, you end up getting what Michael says, people that are not on the same, on the same page. Right. Excellent place to start. Greg, I know you're itching when we combine supply chain and technology and, and silos. What are some yeah. of the things you heard Michael and Luis share there? Well, you know, we, we hear a lot about these terms, visibility and transparency. And for a lot of different reasons, all of those things are very, very important. Mm. And I think one of the things you have to recognize is you have to be able to do something with that visibility. And it is, as Michael and Luis are talking about, 
to break down those silos, to be able to, to collaborate, right? Because your job, if you're a truckload manager, your job doesn't end once it goes on to an LTL trailer. You're, you still owe something to your company, right? This is mm -hmm. a very simple business supply chain. We do one thing, we deliver, right? We have all these complications that get in the way or help facilitate lower cost or whatever, but that's the only thing we do. Mm -hmm. And um, anything else that overly complicates that creates a problem. And we've lived with it for so long. At first, pretty much intentionally, kind of the way supply chain came up. And then eventually as supply chain evolved, we did, as, as both of them said, kind of build technologies and build viewpoints around a specific segment, only LTL or only truckload or only ocean or air or drayage or cartage or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So now we've seen the impact of that. And it, you know, I think we knew it before. A couple of dynamics didn't really exist before. One, we didn't have the possibility, I suppose, of a, of a real broad viewpoint. And two, nobody cared because supply chain was those, those dirty guys in blue shirts that say Lou um, who carried boxes and drove trucks. And now it's a much, much more scientific. It's not a brute force industry now, right? It is a scientific industry now. And, and the world has finally started to recognize that after right. much cajoling from all of us professionals out there. And a major, major competitive advantage. So a lot of good stuff there. Michael, Luis, and Greg. Uh, really quick, uh, Tom Zeiss says, any chocolate is better cold. Okay, Tom. I, hey, you're, uh, I'm, I'm learning some new things here. We're going to try some new things this week. Eddie Herrera uh, says hello from Corona, California. Good to see you. Jason T. Hopkins, uh, D.C. resident, Alabama fan, is tuned in as well. Good to see you. Tom Valentine. Mm -hmm. Jessica Wash says Savannah has the best food. That is a great, great comment, arguably, but a great comment. Lori Runzo uh, is tuned in from Pittsburgh. Matt Adler is a big fan of putting chocolate in the freezer. Uh, so good, uh, good, <laughs> good afternoon, everybody. Okay, so from there, from these initial comments, I want to move into first the Port City logistics story. Michael, we had a great conversation last week as we dove <clears> a little <throat> deeper to all the cool things you're up to. Certainly not doing business as usual. So tell us a few things. What's the most important aspects of the Port City logistics story, Michael? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Most importantly, uh, we're privately held and we're a very entrepreneurial business. So I would say the other thing, the trend we're seeing is, you know, Greg, you said we do one thing, we deliver, right? And, and I think shippers, everybody, right, what they're really after is two things. I want my providers to keep their commitments, say what you're, you know, do complete, whatever whatever you, you commit to, follow through, right? And I want it done Amen. fast, right? Like, like delays, whatever, like we all know that it happens, but Keep your commitments and within your control, do it, do it fast. So that's the interesting thing about Port City is we we have a real commitment to deliver, keep our commitments and go fast. And, and it was started by an entrepreneur named Billy Robinson, one of my favorite humans on the planet, who was an entrepreneur that just hated his day job. He was a sales guy selling industrial supply and just didn't like it in the port. You know, he, he tells the story and says, I saw the port doing this and figured I needed to get involved in that somehow. And he, mm. he bought a courier business. We had like two doors and a couple of pickup trucks. Really? I yeah. Think we I met mean, Billy in Charleston. Is that the Billy Robinson? Didn't, didn't we like meet him? Lots of energy, full of life. One of the nicest guys you ever met, probably. Uh, that sounds guy. very familiar. Did he start it with his brother or was his brother involved at one point? Oh, okay. Okay. No. I may be thinking of somebody. <clears> but you should come down and meet him from Hill. <laughs> I will do, do that. 
He, play, so, he plays a lot of golf now. I try to. I, I, I work hard so he can definitely going to do it. Then and I'm happy. Well, I'm happy for clearly, him. business is good. Business yeah. is good. So very <laughs> entrepreneurial. That's one of the things I heard yeah. there. Yeah. And Michael, you talked about how that that's kind of permeated the culture, right? Yeah. So you know, Fort C's kind of had three phases, right? The the first phase of how do you how, like any startup business, right? Like how do you make payroll? How do you get insurance? Like how do you just say yes to everything like like port city started by going we now have a building we now have overhead say yes i don't care what the shipment is like say yes like there's pictures of when the guys would unload like somebody called and and a a container of frozen concentrate like orange juice concentrated had tipped over and they pulled it into a warehouse because they just we need business we'll say yes and that's kind of the evolution of port city like they weren't warehousing guys like Billy's right. dad wasn't in the warehouse mm-hmm. business and you know his uncle Lou wasn't wearing the blue shirt driving the truck red, <laughs> right so that's not how it started it was just like I don't want to be a sales guy anymore I'm going to do something entrepreneurial and he built relationships in the city and with the GPA and so it was a we figure out how to get it done so so right. there within Port City there is no mindset about well this is just how you always run a distribution like it just doesn't exist our CEO mm-hmm. is a commercial banker before he joined Port City. Really? So like, it's a very entrepreneurial business. People that just love solving customer problems, love the business model, really started out as, as you know, there, there was, you get two things, right? You have storage and handling revenue and real estate yep. and a distribution business. Like you, it, so we own a lot of our buildings and develop. We're very unique in that we actually develop property, right? So a lot of distribution companies, they're in, they're in speculative buildings that have bad yards and right. they're not built they're built to maximize a footprint, not maximize freight flow. So we're unique in mm-hmm. that we develop. So fast forward today, we've got 3 million square feet under management. Wow. We've got a, yep, we got a crew driving up South Carolina right now to open a 220,000 square foot building. And we're a, we're a full service drayage, warehousing and distribution, truckload and LTL transportation. All right. So with that base, and congrats on all the growth, uh, Luis, I want to bring you in and, and some of the things that, that you heard Michael share there and some of the things that's like working with a company on the move like that. What else stands out to you about this story, Luis? Uh, two things. One is they understand that customers, uh, shippers are looking for the entire service. I think shippers are learning that this fragmented, you know, again, siloed way of doing business and moving freight it's not working. And I think if you think about uh, how terrible COVID has been on a humanitarian basis, what, what it has done for the supply chain, it has exposed all the flaws and all the, the, the traps that are now common use to everybody. Right. So I think the, the first point I'm trying to make is that they're, they're, the shippers are looking for companies like uh, Port City that provide service from A to Z. The second thing is, uh, and he started, Michael started talking about him, but I know him and I think he's going to talk about this a whole lot more. It's about experience. And they think about shippers now realizing that their supply chain does impact customer experience. Hmm. So those are the two things that I, I've learned as I've gotten to meet the Port City team. They're maniacal about hmm. You know, and we picked that up earlier and we, we picked up part of the answer there. And Greg, I'm coming to you in just a second, but whatever it takes, you know, a, a, a blending digital owned operate assets, partner asset like networks, whatever it is for a true world-class customer experience. And and Michael, 
we're going to talk about that in a second, because as we illustrate some of the work you are doing together, that's enabling that world-class service. we got some great examples. Really quick, and Greg, I'm going to come to you and, and hear what you heard Michael and sure. Luis share. But really quick, Giridar uh, Reddy says, supply chain silos, and it, need, it needs an end-to-end solution. Excellent point. Uh, something we're all speaking to, I believe. Dan, going all the way back to food, because food is on everybody's mind. Chocolate with Belgian ales. So beer and chocolate. Love that, Dan. Uh, Tim, Tim Ingram. He's timing it up. He's back with us here today. He says, good morning, guys. It's been a while. Tim, hope this finds you well. And then uh, Tom Valentine, old TV, says, the supply chain links need to reconnect as one. Problem is, there's no incentive to make it a reality because their profitability is off the charts. No motivation to change, Tom says. Okay, a lot of good stuff there. Before we continue on with Michael and Luis, Greg, your comment based on what you heard a little bit about Port City Logistics story. Yeah, I think it's interesting that Billy took a first, first a practitioner's perspective, right? His frustration with what he was doing with the supply chain and and empathy first for those people that are being served by the supply chain and became an expert from a new perspective. And I think there's more people that need to do that. You know, I believe this consumer is the beginning and the end of the supply chain. And if we think about it as they do at Port City, how to, how to serve the shipper, the consumer's um, purpose, you can all, you'll always win that way. And to right. Luis's point, I've long thought, you know, I've been in the supply chain industry more than two decades. I started on the shipper side. We right. were really good at marketing and merchandising and selling product. We were total sh- at doing anything that had to do with logistics. So, you know, we had our own at, at various companies that I worked with. We had our own trucks. We swung to completely outsourced and all kinds of variations uh, in between. But the truth is, I think companies are much, much more aware in this day and age of what they're good at. When you look at some of the new brands that are out there, they don't even bother to build their own logistics enterprise. They just outsource it to a company like Port City Mm. and let them handle that. They know they're terrible at it. And you get great economies of scale by doing it that way. So I I think that those are both great awarenesses for these these two guys to have. Agreed. All right. So, Michael, I'm going to give you the last word. We're gonna, I'm going to get into several examples that really illustrates a partnership and what it's enabled organization to do. But what's as we close kind of the book on the story and, and you know, uh, 10 minutes doesn't ever do it justice, especially with the company on the move. But what's one thing that should stick in our listeners crawl about what business is like at Port City Logistics? Yeah, I think if you're a shipper, we're going to we're going to get your goods out of the Southeast faster and better than anybody else. And you're going to see everything that's going on. Okay. We're really transparent, right? So we keep our commitments and we're really transparent. If you're looking for a place to work, I would say that our executive team and the founders of this company are some of the most genuine and generous people I've ever met in my life. Mm. That says a lot. And How are they at golf, would you say, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, better than me, which is a very low bar, but they also do enjoy golf. So anytime you're... I think that's good. Yeah. So, so they pay if they don't win. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I have a feeling Billy's working on his game right now. Yes. No, that, well, when that's you fantastic. Build- I mean, look, I think that one of the things we're going to see here in fairly short order is we're going to see the labor situation turn around and they need... Uh, people who are candidates need to be looking for companies like that, right? That have an outstanding culture that have a great purpose, right? That have kind of a, a higher calling. 
Yeah, and I think the one the only other thing I would say, and maybe we'll get to this a little bit more later, but I think it's really important that logistic service providers, LSPs, right? That's been the fun thing. We're not just brokers anymore. We're all brokers, but whatever. <laughs> right. LSPs have skin in the game. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Like, look, I came here to build our asset light business. They, we really wanted to grow that. Everyone knows it's a good business to have, but you function differently. Like, I mean, that, if you guys want to know what millions of dollars worth of racking looks like, it's over my shoulder. But we have skin in the game. Like there is yes. a there is a difference in an operating company that is willing to put up four walls, hire truck drivers. There's a different level of risk associated with that. You have a fundamentally different understanding than if you only work in a high rise building and talk on the phone. Mm. Yeah. Lots of that, that's a big commitment. All of that physical infrastructure is a huge commitment, right? And with with great power comes great responsibility. You're right. like the Spider Man of logistics. <laughs> All the nostalgia. Today. <laughs> All right. So if I can butt in just for a second, supply chain, oh, go ahead. super comics and superheroes. I love it. I, I really want to keep playing that thread out. But really quick, Tim Ingram says my perspective on visibility and improving silos within healthcare supply chain, medical supplies, PPE, for example, need a specific priority. Excellent point, Tim, in terms of big healthcare supply chain pro. Sylvia, I love Sylvia's comment here. I really wish these comments, we're gonna have to get on a horn with StreamYard, but Sylvia says, excellent POV, we now wear our blue collar with pride. And that would be Sylvia instead of Lou there. So Sylvia, I hope this finds you well. Thanks for connecting, by the way, with Brendan. Mm -hmm which is a Coast Guardsman that's about to retire, looking for a job in supply chain. really appreciate that, Sylvia. Okay, so let's get back on track. Now that we've kind of gotten a taste and a feel, uh, and gosh, if you could just put your finger on the screen and, and feel Ma Michael's passion that make up the culture there at Port City Logistics, very palpable. Uh, Luis, we talked about that last week. Let's, let's really focus on three aspects of this partnership because great organizations that are on the move have got to have great business partners and suppliers and uh, especially technology partners. And I think the Turvo Port City Logistics Partnership, uh, obviously it's fueled growth and success and innovation. And I, I picked up this quote from Michael last week. It's allowed Port City Logistics to say yes and deliver that world-class customer experience. So let's fit, let's pull that green curtain back and see what's behind that. So starting with Michael, you mentioned earlier in our earlier conversations how you're able, uh, working with Turvo, to leverage all three of your business units with the customers. And get this, it allows your customers to use Turvo with a single pane of glass. Speak more to that. Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I came here, it, it, we, kind of, we kind of talked about it. And I said, you know, the last thing the world needs is just another broker. Right. But but if we can if we can do something unique and my, my experience also in being an operator for close to 20 years and being a broker for warehouse companies and contract warehousing managers is that um, they, they they don't operate transportation businesses very well. Mm. Right. Like something something is always sucking the attention, especially in an asset business. Right. That that P&L just kind of sucks the life out of everything else, typically. But what, what we said here, you know, our vision was we're going to build a great end-to-end -end customer experience. We're going to be the fastest out of the port. We're going to reduce the, the dwell time for customers. We're going to get it through a building. And we're going to get it to the middle mile faster than anybody else. So I started looking for technology to do that. And the, the gentleman that leads our technology business, um, I would argue, is probably one of the best in the space, has built TMSs, has built software from the ground up. And we selected Turbo, right? And so one of the things that we looked at was we wanted a great public API. 
right? And we wanted something that we could extend to customers in a fashion that wasn't just a portal. Right. Like, like don't say that you have customer visibility if you just skin a portal. Like that's right. stupid. That's and terrible. we're going to talk about that next because I loved your commentary uh, last time around that. Yeah. So, so basically, I mean, that was turbo, right? Like we can, we can, we've got disparate systems just like everybody else, right? Mm. We've got tech debt just like everybody else, right? Nobody's, everybody's lying when they say that they don't, <laughs> right? Like we've got off the shelf stuff and there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with owning off the shelf, right? But what turbo allows us to do is tie all of those disparities in not a dashboard. It's actionable, mm. right? So we stood up a warehouse. We stood up 500,000 square feet of warehouse space in seven days for a customer okay. that needed to clear a 1100 container backlog, right? And we stood it up, wow. we have their inventory in there, they can see things in item master. So it's not just, we're not just punching truckloads through, right? So Michael, really quick, seven days, that seems extremely quick. What, what would you say is the average <clears throat> time out in industry? I mean, seven days is, man, you're moving long mountains. Long time. Well, so again, I think that's why it's important you work with a business that understands all all when you're when you're talking about first to middle mile there's multiple phases right it's not just getting somebody to pull a box you have to have a building you have to have a transit facility you have to have a truckload carrier all that kind of stuff you know for us when, when we operate we're focused right like you're not going to see me put a building in long beach right we know the savannah market so we knew where subleases were we knew where we could go figure out space we took down the last available space in savannah at that time period because we knew people we can execute leases quickly. We don't have these. Talk about speed, right? We have, we have seven attorneys that read leases. Here. <laughs> we, just, we just don't. Like we, we make a decision and we do it, right? So we can say yes. Like we can make real estate commitments quickly, right? We have our own trucks. Love it. So a combination of all that together, right? You can say yes and, and go fast. All right. So I'm going to go, I want to circle you back over to Luis and we're going to talk about visibility next. Uh, some interesting insights there, but Luis, talk, talk to us about this, the single pane of glass. What do you mean by that? Yeah. When we started the, the company back in 2014, it was clear that again, I, I, earlier on, I talked about how technology was optimized around a monolithic function. And today we're all used to look at us. We're, we're collaborating via this, this, this platform, uh, here. Yeah. platform here and collaboration didn't exist in the supply chain. And, and if you think about supply chain, there isn't an industry that requires more collaboration um, to put perspective on it. If you're, if you're a shipper, 70% of the people that move your product to your customer, don't work for your company. Mm. So think about 70% of those people that you have to organize mm. and bring them together. And, and Turbo started with this idea of how do we help our customers plan, execute and settle, but with, and this is what makes us special with this layer of collaboration that allows companies like Port City to differentiate their 4PL service provide a better experience and grow like wildfire. Mm. That's what we saw. And that's what we're executing on today. Love that wildfire, hotcakes, uh, those, those analogies, love them moving. It's all about moving uh, Greg and moving fast, Greg, based on what Michael shared and Luisa shared about uh, uh, lightning fast collaboration. What, what, what did you hear there? Yeah, I think that, you know, we, we said it a little bit earlier, um, 
something more than visibility is required, right? Visibility is great, but it's not enough. And I think what Turvo and Port City are doing is they're creating actionable insights and, and recommendations, right? To Michael's point, a dashboard is, is just a report, right? It just tells you how fast you're going or mm. what gear you're in, right? It doesn't help you make a decision necessarily there, but, um, and portals are even less so. That's just static data that somebody posts up there for you to look at. With the re real-time impact of, of real APIs, these live real-time interconnectors between systems, it allows you to make decisions, to choose how you want to see the data, to interpret that data, and then take action. And that's what increases the speed. Right. Well, that and the fact there's not an army of attorneys, as Michael said, I love, I love and we love attorneys around here, but, yeah. uh, you know, speed, you speed, speed. <laughs> hey, really quick, Vahid's got a great comment here. And and again, folks, StreamYard platform's got a little tech glitch. We're not able to pull in comments like we typically do, but y'all keep them coming. We're going to factor those into the conversation. Vahid says, putting all effort into building an excellent customer journey will always pay off. And if there's anything I, I, I'm taking away from Michael and what the culture is at Port City Logistics, it's like, hey, customer, Mr. Miss Customer, what do you want to get done? And we're going to do it. We're going to do it fast. All right, let's talk about this visibility. Uh, this is going to be my, I think my favorite part of this conversation. So, Michael, let's dispel that tired old lip service definition of visibility. What is non-blue dot visibility at Port City Logistics? We want our customers, and look, we're, I'm going to just say this. We're not 100% there where we want to be. I mean, Luis and I talk a couple of times a month. I need to be able to do this. We need to be able to do this. I need to, but, but when we talk about visibility, what carrier did I use? What did it cost? Mm. Where's your stuff? Where's your inventory? When did it get here? When did it leave? Like, you know, when, when, we, when, we, when a customer logs into, um, Trevor calls it a tenant, their instance, whatever, we want them to know everything that's going on with their shipment. We want them to be able to collaborate. We want them to be able to message us in the platform. Now, look, it's really important, I think, for anybody that's trying to go down a visibility path to understand that it takes a team. Like Turbo is not a magic bullet. It's like you turn Turbo on, everything works. And I've got <laughs> crack guys that are working through, you know, ASNs and EDI this. And I mean, we got more initialisms and acronyms around here that I have not keep up with. <laughs> and so it takes work to get the data together. But if you can get it in one place, like Turbo does allow a customer to take it. I mean, we had a customer accidentally build a shipment that we covered the other day. Because, you know, you got to train people. It's not like, it's not safe. <laughs> if they right. don't know what they're doing, they'll mess something up when they go in there. But it's great. So so if I can, I, I'll tell a story. Like, we just, we just did a 4PLT. We weren't a 4PL when I got here. But I had a customer call and say, I got a problem. We're going to market with a new product. The manufacturer was going to do the fulfillment. I don't know that that's going to work. I need space somewhere. Okay, where's the manufacturer? Let me draw a circle. What's a good distribution point? I know a guy. I have a friend. There's a CEO that runs another warehousing company. I said, hey, man, I need 100,000 feet. Do you have it? So we put a solution together in another state where we don't have an operator. My team put all the requirements together, built all the technology requirements, did the whole thing. We got on a conference call every morning with the customer, the provider, and my team, and it's all in turbo. They can see all the inbound from the manufacturer. When we suck the, the inventory in from the, the third-party warehouse into turbo, they know where everything is. It's a complete transparent relationship. I think we put that solution together in like three or four weeks. Mm. 
Love it. L- living and breathing solution, uh, mm-hmm. as you put it. And, and it's not just that blue dot visibility. Luis, I want you to weigh in on what Michael shared there. And then, Greg, I'm coming around to get your one and only take. Luis, what would you hear Michael say? Yeah, I mean, visibility is the uh, the symptom, right? The blue dot's the symptom. The root cause is, again, your data on every segment of every load is in different places in different systems, whether they're ERP or TMS or WMS, all that data is fragmented. And again, if your approach is you architect the ability to collaborate, right? Plan, execute, settle, collaborate, all your data is in one place. So it becomes easy. The the other point is I, I know when Michael and I have talked and, and he's, you know, he's, we, we were talking, he says, hey, I went to go visit a prospect and I showed him how we would support their supply chain and I showed him Turbo mm. and it was like the light came on and it has to be intuitive. It's got to be really simple for your customers and your carriers to work with you because mm. that's the complexity. You got to get that out of the system. Greg, I love this embedded element of the relationship I'm hearing Luis uh, share. And gosh, can you imagine getting presented or pitched by Michael and Luis? That is like a one-two punch. We can do whatever you want us to do. Greg, your take. Well, and I think, I mean, I think they're doing a great job of leveraging technology to get to that yes and get there quickly, right? But I think one of the points that really jumped out at me is what Michael said earlier, and that is it takes commitment on the side of whoever's implementing technology, right? You can't just plug it in. This is the technology paradox, right? People think they plug in a new technology and all their problems are solved. A new technology does what you want done faster, more effectively with greater precision. But you have to know what you want done and you have to come to that conclusion. And that's where I think this collaboration comes into play is because they can help them define what the uh, what their goals ought to be, not what their actions ought to be, and then work backwards into the actions that reach those goals. And when companies take that perspective of communicating their goals rather than communicating the how, right, communicating the what, the outcome they desire, they are a lot, lot more successful and a lot more quickly. And it's and that's exactly what Luis and Michael are talking about right here. Yeah. Well said, Greg. And you know, it's not transactional. It is a living and breathing that embedded, and maybe there's a better word, but that come that, that's what comes to my mind. You know, whatever it takes are kind of attached at the hip, right? And as as Michael said, they're not across the there's there is no such thing as a finish line and just about anything these days. So it's that living and breathing element based on what the needs of the business are. I, I love that. I think that's where some of the best relationships and partnerships are and where they live. Um, all right. We got to keep going because the sake of time, I want to get to this, this third element and then we're going to get into a look ahead. So Greg, I think Greg, you referenced on the front end, it is a <clears throat> war for talent. And, and that, that phrase was used prior to the pandemic and it has only gotten yeah. more challenging. So Michael, if you could speak a little bit to uh, last week in our pre-show conversation, I, I wrote down and circled three times when you said Turbo is easy to work with. What does that mean for hiring? Yeah. I, I mean, so so literally it's easy to, like, it's easy to train people. They have a great knowledge center. Like there'll be, well, somebody will sound off in Microsoft Teams like, hey, do you know how to, and I'll like go to the Turbo Knowledge Center and like, just let me Google that for you. And so it's, it, it really is easy, right? It really, it really is easy. It's not, it's easy to train people. 
Um, once you kind of figure out everything is, um, the, the thing about Turbo is it's not a load board. I have to tell people this that they call me and go, hey, you know, we're looking at Turbo. Okay, well, don't don't log in looking for your load board with six colors on it. <laughs> like the, the intuitive thing about Turbo is it puts the work in front of you that needs to be done. Right. So you don't go in and build some stupid pick list and 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 organize your loads. Like Turbo does that for you. You put mm -hmm. your business rules in and it puts the work in front of you. Um, the, the other thing I'll say too is uh, technical talent likes working on Turbo. Right? So really? if you're an operator and you're still running AS400, no developer wants to work on that. Hmm. They don't want to work on old tech. Most of them aren't even still alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you have an aging tech stack, like every company is a technology company, right? Like it, it doesn't matter. Like you have right. to be, right? So if you have an aging tech stack, developers don't want to work on your stuff. Right. They want to work on in modern web applications. Right. And right. so we have old stuff, but we have turbo too. And like they web hooks. And again, I'm getting into all these initialisms <laughs> that I don't understand, but they like, Me and you both. On it. Yeah, but they like working on, it. they enjoy the experience of working with and in turbo because they can produce mm. a result. Right. They're not just propping up a dinosaur. Right. Right. So, all right. So, so it becomes an advantage in, in that war for talent really quick. I want to share somebody's comment. We've got some great comments and Luis, I'm going to come back to you because I want to hear what other folks you're working with, what their, what some of their feedback has been along these lines. Peter Stangelon, uh, Greg, good old friend, Peter Stangelon says great topic, yeah. interesting experts supply chain. Now another interesting topic could be an update on port congestions in the USA and the driver shortage. Peter, excellent point. We talk about that a lot. We look forward to reconnecting with you soon. Tom Valentine says great POV data drives decisions and we all know how fast michael and the team is driving you can't drive a ferrari well you know at, at the speed it's built for without great data right let's see sylvia judy get this she <clears throat> says greg white's quote portals are just static data a spot on she says greg it's the agility of information that makes the difference excellent point so we gotta have sylvia back on she is a sylvia fountain. is very precise yes yes if you Yes, I really appreciate that feedback. Thank you. And yes, her jams and jellies. And her jam. <laughs> That's right. We got to, Michael, we got to hook y'all, your team up because uh, Sylvia is based in Charleston. She is the Eastern Seaboard queen of jams and jellies. We'll have to make that connection. Okay. okay. Luis, we were talking about the impact on hiring. As Michael said it, folks, uh, that, that technical talent likes working with Turvo, likes, likes working on Turvo. What else are you seeing out there? How, how are you seeing other organizations benefit perhaps from the same thing? I think you have to double click on being able to recruit world-class talent. And if you're working on green screens, it's going to be difficult to do. I'm going to tie it back to when Michael and I first met. It was in, in July, I think, Michael. Uh, and, and we talked about having to go live in September. I mean, that's pretty, pretty different than what this industry has ever seen, being able to stand up an entire technology stack, a, a transportation management system and do it in, in six weeks. The important point that I want to make there is that if, you're, if your business is not able to be nimble and adapt to your customer's need and your technology is a drag that every time you see an opportunity in your business and it's going to take you six months or a year to adapt, you've got the wrong technology. And I think that point is, is that, you know, as an operator, you've got to not only be able to be nimble, but you have to be evergreen 
And that really is going to help in the quality of the people that you hire. And again, it goes back to that experience that you're going to be able to give your customer and be able to say yes. So not only will I add, you have the wrong technology, but you're not going to get the right people. And you're going to certainly be missing business opportunities uh, along the way. So Luis, great, uh, great commentary there. Really quick, Tim Ingram says information is okay, but if you can't make decisions from it, it's just eye candy. Excellent point. Uh, all right. So, Greg, we have got uh, it's, it's throwback Wednesday. I don't, that's not a thing, but we're going to make it a thing. We got the Rock and Roll Express here, right? They're the Intercontinental Tag Team Champions, Michael and Luis. And you and Michael, you know what I'm talking about. Ricky Gibson and, and Robert Morton. I think that's the that's right, Dave. Yeah, man. Uh, Greg, talk to us. This is a it's really a <laughs> you got to be a wrestling fan, I guess, uh, to get that one. But talk to us of what you're hearing. I think here. you reached pretty far back there. So. that was pretty far back My, yeah i was thinking <laughs> if you'd gone like yeah. road warriors legion of doom oh that's a good yeah like road animal and hawk right yeah animal man, like hawk. i could have gone with you but i have no clue who you're talking the about. rock and roll express really man y'all are blowing my mind we're gonna have to talk wrestling on a later show greg i love that you know this is the second time we've had turbo on with you know someone they're working with but a lot of them the common threads are the same you know it's, it's a very practical partnership focused on the things that matter right but what, what's your take here greg i think they're aimed squarely at the problem look I, i've been a shipper i remember night mm. in 1992 when i looked at green screens in 1992 and i thought <laughs> what in the hell is this a james bond movie i had no idea that people still used green screens 30 years ago and here we are talking about it still. I think that's utterly ridiculous. I had actually forgotten. I worked with a company that operated on AS 400s and I had forgotten that. Literally, I don't know who still writes RPG anymore. And <laughs> I, I remember this, those scary terms, but, I, but I, aside from the modernity of the, of the technology, I think one of the things that both Luis and Michael had touched on here is that simplicity is what matters. I remember the feeling when I saw green screens and when I saw newer technologies, I didn't care how it worked, mm. right? I just cared that it worked. And that it worked meant that I didn't have to do a lot. Com computers did their computer things. <laughs> I was able to do my human things and we got the result that we, we wanted. And having been a technologist, as many of our audience know, I can tell you that it is incredibly complex to create a solution that is so sophisticated mm. that it seems simple to the user. And, and, is, and that's a critical aspect of what we're doing because these generations that will come in and replace the 3.6 million baby boomers who've left the workforce in mm. the last year, they don't care how it works. Right. They just care that it works. And, and it works means it essentially does it for you. Yeah. And, you know, you, once you've got a technology set up like that, and once you've got it built to a certain level of sophistication, it can do that. And we're talking mm. about things like predictive or prescriptive analytics here. We're talking about the solution telling you what needs to be done, not just showing you what went wrong. And I think right. that's an important aspect of how companies in this industry, people in this industry need to change their perspective to expect that. And I mean, and that's what's that is what's giving Michael and the folks at Port City Logistics such a huge advantage is right. they can expect it and they can get it. All right. We got a bunch of comments coming in. 
bunch of comments from the from Pastor Greg White, First Church Supply Chain. You're baptizing folks here. Let's see. Sam says, and I can't remember if Michael or if Luis said this, quote, we're not propping up a dinosaur, right? <laughs> That's such a powerful thing, especially if you're hiring talent. Doesn't want to prop up a dinosaur, as one of y'all talked about. Um, Tom Valentine says, you're all awesome. Sylvia says, Cobalt and Pascal, oh my God, I'm dying here, she says. Michael oh my Aver, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Mike Aver says, if the people can't slash won't use it, then it's not worth the investment. Excellent That's point, right. Michael. Hope this finds you well. Okay, we are, we, we've are we gotten into so much. We're almost out of time. And I want to skip over, we'll have to have y'all back on to talk about. Well, I'll tell you what, really quick. Michael, if you know what Reader's Digest is, in a nutshell, really quick, what's next for the partnership? Because I want to get to a resource we got, and then folks want to make sure they, they know how to connect with both of y'all. So what's next? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the next things for us is um, we're going to just continue to iterate. You know, Luis alluded to, um, you know, we're young in our relationship, and we've, we've done a lot in a really short amount of time. But we still have a long, we still have a long way to go. And so, I mean, I think for us, everything is about collaboration. We've got a yes. team that, that builds a lot, builds a lot of our own automation around Turbo because we can, right? And Turbo allows us to be able to do that. So we have proprietary business rules and things that happen that have nothing to do with Turbo. But everything for us is about using Turbo to, to build external visibility and transparency for our customers, give them a good mm. experience. Love that. And I was referencing the six weeks, six weeks uh, at the front end of y'all's relationship. Uh, right. That is, especially considering the scope, three million square feet. Holy cow. Uh, moving mountains for sure. Okay. Let's, um, so with the comments not working, and again, we're going to get on the horn with StreamYard. We're going to figure that out, but we love all the comments that have come in. A lot of good ones here. I want to drop uh, Amanda, Clay, you name it, uh, Chantel, Catherine, thanks for what you're doing on the production side. If we can drop, we've got a great resource that we want to drop in there, the Logistics Success Playbook from our friends at Turbo. We want to make it really easy for folks to access that with one click and they'll be able to download that. It'll reiterate some of the things we're talking about here today, and it, it should be a helpful resource as we're all navigating this obstacle course that is global supply chain here in 2022. Okay, so let's make sure, Greg, let's make sure folks know how to connect with Michael and Luis, the Rock and Roll Express of global supply chain. I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. Michael, how can we're all folks... We're all going to Wikipedia after this, <laughs> I guarantee yes. All right, so fair enough. Michael... How can folks connect with you and the organization that's on the move, Port City Logistics? Yeah, portcitylogistics.com. I give all of my hot sports opinions on uh, freight technology and operating companies on Twitter. Follow me there. And uh, LinkedIn, as, as always. It's just that easy. And the URL, because I bet my hunch is you are doing a little bit of hiring. What's the URL for folks to learn more about the organization? Portcitylogistics.com. It's just that easy. And we're going to make it one click away in the show notes, folks. And definitely, I'm telling y'all, what you see here is the real deal. Uh, the behind the scenes conversations are the same way. You want to be around people that tell it like it is and be frank. And hey, I do all these shows with one sitting beside me. So it, 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 it changes your perspective on life for sure. So make sure you connect with uh, Michael and follow him there. All right, Luis, I tell you. You've got to have one of the best jobs in the world because you've got something that your customers are singing praises of and helps helps fuel their growth, right? And it's very yeah. competitive time. Um, so how can um, folks connect? I'm very, very fortunate. Uh, never forget that. Yes, please visit Turvo at www.turvo.com. And to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn and really appreciate you know the time that we've had today. I have too. I, 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 you know, Greg... 
I enjoyed the pre-call conversation, the pre-show conversation. I got a lot out of that. I got a lot out of the, what they shared here today. We got a great job too, don't we, don't we, Greg? We sure do. I mean, we get to meet people like this all the time, right? People who are really solving problems in supply chain. I got to tell you, I can empathize with where Luis is. I always felt really good as a technology provider. I could sleep well at night knowing that we were delivering for our clients. Luis, I'm sure, sleeps well at night because obviously they've helped Port City rapidly expand mm. and build this business and serve the customers that they are so dedicated to. Thanks. Greg, let me, let me put some, yeah. I don't sleep well at night because I'm usually <laughs> worried about my customers. <laughs> I was, well, I, as I, I was saying that, I was thinking, what if he is somebody who's like, well, let's flip it. Well. Let's flip it. But Luis's, you could sleep well if uh, you would. <laughs> Luis's customers sleep well at night. That there uh, you go. That's Michael's that's customers. I bet sleep, sleep well at night. So you heard the real deal here today. Big I'm thanks. I'm sleeping well at night. So. <laughs> that's right. All right. We've been chatting with uh, Michael Caney, Chief Growth Officer with Port City Logistics, and Luis Pajares, Chief Customer Officer with Turvo. Big thanks. We hope to have you all both back yeah. with us again soon. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Luis. Yeah. Thanks, thanks Jim. Thank Jim. you. Thank you, Michael. So that's the first time. I think the swoosh was fooled there, Greg. I think the swoosh was fooled. It waited on one last word from yeah, Luis. Yeah, I think we waited for the thanks for coming, Michael. That was Absolutely. Good. It's important. The swoosh is a conscientious, very uh, kind and considerate uh, mechanism, isn't it, Greg? Well, it's AI. It knows when somebody has something important to say. <laughs> right. Actual intelligence. All right. So, folks. Uh, you know, working our way through that conversation. And and again, that's the same. I love it when, um, whether we're, you know, on a live stream or a podcast or webinar, or whatever, or live, right, where the world can see us. And it's the same conversation that we have outside of that, right, where it's just maybe breaking bread with folks or, you know, pre-show, you name it. It's, it's the same deal. That's, uh, you spoke a little bit to it, that transparency, that level of authenticity, that is what's fueling companies that are doing supply chain different in this day mm -hmm. and age. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's really easy to be authentic when you're actually delivering results. Right. I mean, having been in technology, has ever, I feel like I've said way too many times in this episode, for a long time, it was easy to tell when someone was comfortable that they were going to deliver the result that they promised and when they weren't. And, you know, we were always 100% comfortable. You can tell that Luis, even though he doesn't sleep well, but I'm sure somebody can help him with that. But he is 100% comfortable that he's delivering. And obviously, Michael is. I mean, he gave us so many stories about the great things that they are doing for their shippers, you know, in such a short period of time. It's unbelievable. 500,000 square feet in seven days. Wow. Right? I mean, it's remarkable. It's incredible. Yep. So, yeah. folks, you're going to want to connect with Michael and Luis. Do that. Uh, also, their organizations, PortCityLogistics.com and Turbo.com. Excellent episode. Greg, I loved all. Man, we had a dynamic panel here today. Three folks that tells it like it is. Greg, always a pleasure to have these with these conversations with you. Big thanks again to our production team, Amanda and Chantel and Catherine and Clay. And folks, thanks for all the comments. We're, we're going to be on the horn with StreamYard. We're going to get that worked out so we're back to normal. But I really appreciate all the comments that came in from the skyboxes. Greg, we'll look forward to having uh, Michael and Luis back with us. But hey, if folks take anything away from this conversation, Scott Luton challenging all of y'all, hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. 
Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.